Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being with us on this special day, Easter Sunday. I'm going to pray as we go to the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Word transforms us. Your Word reveals your heart, your character, and Lord, your Word brings hope to us. I pray, Father God, as, as I speak and as every person listens and sees, Lord, that strength and light and hope would come to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you this morning to Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. Talking about the woman who had been with Jesus. This is straight after the crucifixion. It's on the first day, on the Sunday. Taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them, in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their heads to the face, bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. That was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But their words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. May God bless the reading of his word. We know the story, or we think we know it, but for them, they were in it. They were deeply in it. What happens, because we feel like we know it so well, that we lose the angst, we lose the emotion, we lose the passion. And you know what? Our children and our grandchildren are going to talk about and and read about the days that we're in now. And they won't get it like we get it during this COVID-19 crisis. Because right here, right now, we don't know what we don't know. So I want you to imagine, and I want you to put yourself in the place of these women in terms of what they're going through. Their Lord has been ruthlessly betrayed. <laughs> He's been tried unjustly, and he's been murderously crucified. Their whole world has been turned upside down. Now, after a break, after the Sabbath day, which is a Saturday, Jesus was crucified on the Friday. Then now, early in the morning, they go towards the place where Jesus was buried. To minister, to bathe, to put spices on him to minister to the bloodied corpse of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or so they thought. Imagine how they felt. What struck me first when I read this was that these women were willing to come and to minister to the dead, not dying, but the dead body of Jesus. And so they go into this underground tomb. And the tombs in those days... Um, were like mausoleums. You would go inside of them and there'd be places for the various bodies. And this was a new, to this was a new tomb. 
But going in must, must have been scary because this is a place for the dead. And they were willing to go to the dark places. And I want to ask you this morning, are you willing, despite your fears, despite your disappointments, despite your angst, to go to the places that are needed to minister to the broken, bloodied body of Jesus? There was a world convention of psychiatrists and they asked the keynote speaker, they put a scenario to him describing a, a woman with a whole lot of maladies and they said, what would you say to her? What advice would you give? And he said, I would advise the woman to walk out of this room, walk two miles to the west over the railway line to this very broken, sad community and I would ask her to minister and to speak and to help the poor in that particular place. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes the, the healthiest thing that we can do is to get out of our situation, to get out of our own selfishness, and to tell someone that you love them, to reach out and to bring the love of Jesus to people. Now, many years ago, I was doing an adventure race, and uh, me and four friends, and uh, it was at night that we were racing, and we came to a place where we had to go down into this abandoned, abandoned mine. And uh, as we went down in the dark with our head torches on, we, it, was, it smelled terrible. And we started to hear this, this whirring, this, this unfamiliar sound. And all of a sudden, there was this onslaught of, of bats that came towards us. And um, I don't know why I did it, but I was walking with this hiking pole. And so I put the hiking pole out. <laughs> and... Uh, I know you probably think I look like Gandalf, but I, I, just, I just put it out and, and all these bats just, just flew past me. And I think I was scared at that moment. Um, are they going to bite me? Are they going to go inside my shirt? And I thought about it afterwards. Why did I put this up there? And, and I think this was the reason why. When I was at university as a young Christian, I used to consciously think about the armor of God. I used to consciously, and I used to carry my backpack over my one shoulder and I used to imagine that I had the shield of faith up. And I think that's what it was, that in the midst of this going into this dark place, going to this smelly place, going to this place, it smelled like death. When I was surrounded by these things coming towards me, these dark things, I lifted up my arm as it were the shield of faith. And I want to say to you, God never leaves us. <laughs> he never fails us. And what we need to do in this time is to raise the shield of faith and you will see darkness pass you by. And that's what, that's what we did. And we came out of it unscathed. Doesn't matter what you face. Doesn't matter what you're feeling. But as we raise the shield of faith, every fiery dart doesn't, will pass us by. Jesus said this, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. So the woman came into the dark tomb, and all they found were the, were the clothes of Jesus. And John talks about how this handkerchief or head garment was, was folded. Jesus had left it folded. And Jewish um, cultural experts, they say that on the night of a great supper, a table would be laid and cloths would be folded and, and everything would be made perfect. And the people would eat. And the servants would stand back attentive, attentively. And when the dinner was over, 
the master would pick up the cloth. He'd scrunch it. He'd wipe his hands. Because remember, they would have eaten with their hands. And then he'd leave the table. However, if he was going to come back, if he was not yet finished, what the master would do is he would fold the cloth again the way it, the way it was. And this would mean that it's not yet finished. And so I believe when they came upon these cloths that were neatly folded, Jesus was sending a message into that culture that it's not yet finished. Jesus was saying, I'm not yet done. I'm not yet finished what I'm doing. And that brings such hope to us in this place. Jesus is not yet finished with our lives. He's not yet finished with our nation. In fact, the best is yet to come. And I want us to take hold of that truth. When they saw the finished cross, something must have resonated in them. Something must have resonated in them about that, that, night, that supper the previous night that they knew they had, that things are not yet finished. Yet Jesus is not yet done. This whole chapter is a juxtaposition of Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, it's about a trial. It's about a betrayal. It's about torture. It's about death. And it's about burial. Luke 24 starts off with bat. <laughs> this great conjugation. 1,237 times it's translated as bat. And you know what? In the midst of all these things, betrayal, death, crucifixion, chapter 24 starts with bat. And it doesn't matter how dark the night, how dark the night of the soul, there's always but God. He's not finished with us. He's not yet finished with you. And he's not yet finished with South Africa. But God. But God. But God. And that's what this chapter is about. And so we find that these women are perplexed. And I would, I would read the story. And I've been reading it again and again. And, and I would judge them. It's like, don't you remember? Can't you remember the words of Jesus? But God in his love, unlike me in my judgment, sends two glorious angels and they say to them he's not here but he has risen remember how he told you while he was still with you we forget what we should remember and sometimes we remember what we should forget jesus had told them he'd be betrayed he'd be crucified and he'd rise on the third day and yet they had forgotten you know at home so often i forget what i should and I remember what I shouldn't. I'll tell Nicola a story about some couple who's getting married or having a baby. And she'll say to me, where did you get that from? And I say, I can't remember. And she'll say, I told you that story. <laughs> and then there'll be other moments where she'll send me to the shops to, to get something. And I'll get distracted and I'll get so many other things and I'll forget to bring the, bring the bacon or bring the milk. And um, a healthy soul is one who carries the words of Jesus in their hearts, that remembers what Jesus says. In John 1 verse 5, sorry, Joshua 1 verse 5, he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And in John 16 verse 35, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And the wise and the healthy soul is the one that 
doesn't allow himself to be overwhelmed by the news, by the media, by rumors, by what people say. But the healthy soul is the one who holds faithfully and humbly and consciously to the word of God. In this season, I urge you, my family, brothers and sisters, deliberately limit how much news you watch. Deliberately watch your social media intake. Maybe in the start in the morning after prayer, maybe spend a bit of time on connecting with people, social media, WhatsApp, a bit of time news. But then spend the rest of the day doing the things that you need to do, doing the things that are fruitful and productive, spending time in God's presence, spending time with your kids, spending time with your spouse, spending time working, spending time fixing the house, spending time growing and learning. You know, sometimes I go online and I would get so distracted and I would waste so much time. And my question to you is, are you seizing the moment or are you allowing distractions to come in? It's God's word that cleanses us. It's God's word that, that washes us. Ephesians 5 verse 26 says that the church is cleansed by the washing with the water of the word. And if your head is, is foggy or if your heart is fearful, if there's confusion, get God's word into your soul. Get God's word to your heart. And so they respond. Verse 8, and it says, And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and the rest. Once they remembered the words of Jesus, once it was in their hearts, action followed. And this is the truth for all of us. As the word of God is, is truly in us, action, heart response, seen in, in our deeds. This is the power of Rhema. This is the power of God's spoken word. This is the power of God's revealed word, that it moves us, it causes us to go, it causes us to speak, causes us to love, causes us to get outside of ourselves. Can we be those people who, although we don't have it all together, cannot help but proclaim the glorious news that Jesus Christ is risen, that he is alive, that he loves us, and that it's not finished. I want to juxtapose three images, the tourist, the immigrant, and the ambassador. I think I first heard it from Tim Keller. Tourists come into a place, they sample the best of culture, and they move on. Immigrants come to a place and they typically choose to absorb as much of the culture that they're coming to as possible. But it is the ambassadors that come into a culture. They learn it so that they can speak to it. They can minister to it. They can represent the king well. But what they're ultimately doing is that they're being led by a different tune and they're following the beat of a different drum. And that's what we call to be, not just tourists who take or immigrants who are assimilated, but we are called to be ambassadors who because of what Jesus has done for us, because of this wonderful, awesome, glorious news that we proclaim Jesus far and wide. Lastly, all of this has to be personal. In John 20, there's a story of Mary at this time. And after Peter had come, Mary was standing beside the graveside, beside the tomb. And she was processing 
And they asked her, what is she doing? And she responded, they have taken my Lord. My Lord. Religion is about do's and don'ts. But what we have is relationship. We have relationship and it's about love. And it's about honor. And it's about wanting to please and to consider and build relationally with the one that we love. And so this is the heart of Mary. It's not Jesus is Lord. She says, Jesus, where is he? They've taken my Lord. So friends, it is personal. And it's meant to be personal. And if you're feeling today distant from the Lord, today's your day. Come home. Make it personal. Let me recap. Seven simple points. The woman were deeply in it. And we're in it, but it's okay. Secondly, will you consider to be used to minister to the broken body of Jesus? Thirdly, in the face of darkness, will you put up your shield of faith? Because nothing can touch you as you do that. Fourthly, would you remember <laughs> that it's not finished? That this beautiful folded cloth says that God is not done with us. It's not finished. Fifth, would you remember to carry God's word in your heart? His promises, his rhema word to you. Six, would you go and tell others this glorious news? And lastly, make it personal. Make it personal for your life. I thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Roger, for that faith-building message this morning. Friend, as Roger preached about Mary expressing that amazing phrase, my Lord, I wonder if you could echo those words and think of Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you've heard the phrase, Jesus is Lord. But do you remember a moment when you invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life? If you can't, I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now. So wherever you are, maybe you just want to close your eye or if you just want to say this prayer out loud with me, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Right now, I confess that I have lived my life my way, that I have been the Lord of my life. I want to embrace you as my Lord and Savior this morning. And so I give my life to you. I invite you to take control of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, do you know that the Bible says that to all those who received Jesus, he gave them the right to be called the children of God, which means that as you prayed that prayer, your status changed, your identity changed. We would love to help you in your journey of following Jesus. Why don't you reach out and connect with us using the number on the screen and we will walk this road with you and help you become that follower of Jesus who experiences his lordship on a day-by-day -day basis.